the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider. Before I go to the news segment, let me remind you about my guest in the interview segment. Father John Paul Kimes, Professor of Canon Law at the University of Notre Dame. We were both members of the Historical Commission for the Cause of Canonization of Servant of God Joseph Dutton. Now Dutton, as you know, worked for 44 years on Molokai with Saints Damien and Marianne, caring for the victims of leprosy. The Commission met in the Diocese of Honolulu in December to close out its work which will soon be en route to Rome to the Dicastery for Causes of Saints. This is part two of our conversation. In a riveting fashion, Father Kimes continues with more stories about the life and times of Servant of God Joseph Dutton. But first, some of the news highlights of the week, a slightly shorter version given the length of the interview. Sunday, January 7th. As is now traditional, Pope Francis on Sunday baptized 16 infants on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Under the frescoes of the Sistine Chapel, he celebrated the Lord's gift of faith to these children, saying they are also protagonists of the ceremony since they give witness of how to receive the faith. Although the children were all silent as the Pope spoke, he said it takes only one to give the first note and then the concert starts. Should they in fact cry, said the Pope, let them cry. Likewise, if they are hungry, feed them. They decide on this feast day as they prepare to receive the gift of faith. Later at the Angelus, Francis spoke of the newly baptized and reminded the faithful that the day they were baptized, they became children of God forever, and this date of great grace must be remembered and celebrated. He also prayed for victims of floods in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and appealed for the release of hostages in Colombia. Monday, January 8th. In his annual State of the World address to members of the diplomatic corps accredited to the Holy See, Pope Francis reflected on the conflicts and divisions ravaging the world, and he highlighted the responsibility of individuals and nations to foster peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, he recalled, as he welcomed the expanded diplomatic family in the Vatican, thanking the ambassadors for their efforts to nurture good relations between the Holy See and their respective countries. Tuesday, January 9th. The prefecture of the papal household released the schedule of Pope Francis's liturgical celebrations for January and February, and they include the canonization of Blessed Maria Antonia of St. Joseph de Paz y Figueroa, born in what is now Argentina. Wednesday, January 10th. At the general audience, the Pope continued his catechesis series on virtues and the vices opposed to them, and this week he focused on the sin of gluttony. He drew attention to societies troubled by eating disorders, which all too often waste great amounts of food, even as many people in the world go hungry. Francis suggested that eating habits should be moderate and socially responsible. He said Jesus wants us to be joyful with him at table, but also to be prepared to balance that with abstaining and fasting at times of suffering, for example, as Christians do during Lent. 
also Wednesday. Francis met with representatives of the Dialogue Transversal, a dialogue project between socialists, Marxists, communists, and Christians aimed at formulating a common social ethic that can be proposed as a new narrative for a Europe in search of its identity. There's an integral ecology between the social doctrine of the church and Marxist social critique at its core. Thursday, January 11th, Pope Francis met with a delegation of the Sentinels of the Holy Family, a Marian prayer network. He emphasized the experience of praying with the Blessed Virgin as helping God make even small gestures bear fruit. The network was founded 10 years ago in Belgium, but has since spread internationally with the aim of prayerfully presenting the intentions of the Church and the world to Mary. Also Thursday, the Holy Father met with members of the Secular Institute of the Missionary Priests of the Kingship of Christ, highlighting that secularity means serving and bearing witness to the Kingdom of God in this world. He said the Church and every baptized person is in the world, is for the world, but is not of the world. Also Thursday, Pope Francis received members of the Italian Bearers of St. Rose Sodality. He encouraged Christians to get off the couch and to work to spread the gospel of Christ, saying, We need saints even today, people who do not stay in slippers on the sofa, but who, burning with an uncontrollable desire to live and proclaim the gospel, passionately become contagious in holiness. Friday, January 12th, Pope Francis sent a letter to the head of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, Major Archbishop Zviatoslav Shevchuk, in which he strongly condemned the ignoble and unacceptable Russian missile attacks against the civilian population and the vital infrastructure of the country. Shevchuk had written to the Pope at the end of the year to inform him of the consequences of the massive missile attack. The news of the letter, in fact, was released by the Secretariat of the Major Archbishop. Also Friday, the Pope welcomed participants in a meeting promoted by the Tognolo Young Professional Association, as well as members of the Catholic Committee for Cultural Collaboration with Orthodox Churches and Eastern Orthodox Churches. He was to address participants in a symposium, University of Communicants in the Church, but he told his guests, I would like to read the whole speech, but I have a problem, of bitter bronchitis. Although his voice was labored, the Pope had delivered the scheduled speeches in the two previous audiences. Well, those are the news highlights of the week that stay right here for part two of my conversation in Hawaii with Father John Paul Kimes. This is Father Josh McCarty. We need Catholic Radio in order to invite people and challenge people to lift their eyes from themselves to God and to love. And Catholic Radio challenges people to see the good in the world, the faith that God offers, and the community that He's drawing us into. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. 
This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Okay, I have a confession to make. I really do not like schedules. <laughs> Tracking what my family is supposed to do every minute, every hour, knowing where we're supposed to be. I don't even like the word schedule. If you feel the same way about family schedules, you are not alone. And yet, there does need to be order to our family life. Our God is a God of order. And let's face it, family life can involve a lot of chaos, right? We parents need to assist God in bringing some order out of this chaos. But if you don't like the word schedule, maybe it's because it sounds too industrial for the living reality of messy family life. What I do like is the word routine. That's what we aim to have in our family. A routine for when to wake up, when we eat, when we study, when we clean, and when we pray. A routine consists of what needs to be done daily, even if the timing or order changes because of life happening. Talk with your spouse about setting up a routine as part of the family board meeting and visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome back to part two of my conversation in Hawaii last month with Father John Paul Kimes, professor of canon law at the University of Notre Dame. Father and I, along with a third colleague who's a member of the Historical Commission for the Cause of Canonization for Joseph Dutton, all met together in December in the Diocese of Honolulu in Hawaii. The Dicastery for the Causes of Saints, to which we sent our individual reports as members of the Commission, require that the Commission, when its work is done, all meet together in the diocese that had begun the cause of canonization. We continue our talk today on Servant of God Joseph Dutton, who worked for 44 years alongside Mother Marianne Cope, St. Marianne, and Father Damien, St. Damien of Molokai, the two saints who worked for many years with the victims of leprosy on the island of Molokai. So we begin our talk talking about some of the writings of Joseph Dutton. He was a very prolific author, as you will soon see. But you know, in his writings, what struck me even before I was doing work in the archives in Rome um, was what struck me, anything I read written by him and the books we've, we've yeah. both read and everything, was the fact that he did not like to talk about himself no. as a person. He would talk about uh, the patients of leprosy, how he could help them, etc. He would talk about his faith. Yeah. And um, in fact, last July 4th, our July 4th holiday, I published on my blog a letter that Dutton wrote. Mm. Uh, it was on um, December 24th, 1909, and he entitled it The Great Uprising. And what he was referring to was the raising of the flag. Mm. Now, remember, at, at that time, Hawaii was not a, uh, an American state, but he was an American citizen. citizen. Yeah. And he took such pride and yeah. wrote about this pride in the faith and his patriotism. So... He would write you asking for your help. He would write about the patients. He would write about the flag or his faith, but very little about himself. But that's how you learned how who he was, yeah. what he focused on yeah. in, in his writing. And it was, and you and I, our work was so hard in the historical commission because every third letter he would give you one little nugget about his oh, past. Know. So we came to, you know, again, it's you know, Monsignor Sarno loves to use that image of of a cause of canonization bringing a thousand puzzle pieces together. So yes. you and I have had to go, our work was to go find those puzzle pieces. Right. Because, you know, I found a beautiful letter that he wrote back to his godmother in Memphis, Tennessee. 
And it's there more than anywhere else. And, and speaking to his godmother, is this beautiful line, because she apparently has written to him. And again, unfortunately, we don't have her letter to him. We only have his response. But in her letter to him, she must have indicated that she was concerned about him because of the kind of work that he had gone to Molokai to do. And she was afraid it would oh, lead sure. him to sorrow. And she and he uses that word, and he says he writes back to his godmother, your know, dear godmother, and he's responding to to her letter with all of the various and sundry concerns of of the day. And then in the middle of the letter, he says, "And you're worried about me being sorrowful again, you know, working in a place that is dirty, that is stinky, just the smell, people of open sores, of people dying constantly, horrible, yeah. oh, you know, this these horrible conditions." He said, "But it's in all of that that I find joy." And so, but he yeah. rather, it's just as you said, rather than talking about himself and the details of his or life. Or how difficult my life is. You wouldn't yeah, know. He found you, joy. He found joy. And he found joy in living out his discipleship to Jesus Christ. And it's just this, it's a, this amazing story. Well, I remember in the the first, uh, long before I knew uh, even of a historical commission, uh, in some of the first things that I read by and about Dutton, was uh, the fact that he never wanted to have anything more than the patients did. Yeah. If they were lacking blankets, then he would go to bed without a blanket, which was very much Father Damien, by exactly. the way, too. Well, first of all, we are going to get blankets, whatever they, they yeah. would need. And that was part of his prolific writing, yeah. too, by the way. Hey, we need so much lumber because we have to make a new building. Yeah. And we need pipes. We're creating latrines, and we, we have... Well, a, and here, too, in that work, you see his background in the Civil War because he oh, was yeah. a quartermaster. Yes. So his job, his primary job, apart from... From all of the atrocities it was but his primary job in the army was supplies exactly. to be sure that every, that you had everything you needed to do whatever it was you needed to do exactly. so he brought that professional training of being a quartermaster in the army and then working in the railroads and doing similar kind of work he brought all of that to to Molokai and so again when he writes he's like okay we need we need a hundred planks uh, of this yeah. length because we're building a new building or we need new mattresses right. for the beds or we, and, but everything is methodical and calculated and it's very precise and it's not the kind of maybe you know when we talk about him asking how you could help it's not this hortatory kind of oh please come and help the poor men and women of Molokai it's like no I need six pillows right. I need seven blankets I need 47 linear feet of pie. you know so it's very it's a very different kind but, of thing but you know that, and he had to deal a lot with, with the board of health which yeah. has nothing to do about yeah. well supplies yes yeah. medical supplies but um, the board of health he had to be very precise with them too because he had he had to win a lot of people yeah. over to say you know but he was the only one who would deal with right. the board of health and in the end the, the priests and the brothers were very happy it was Joseph yeah. Dutton because they didn't think they could ever be as persuasive but as he could in some of his earlier letters um, you know, he writes that the first three years that he's on Molokai Father Damien is still alive right. Father Damien is already sick yeah. Father Damien has already contracted leprosy when, when Joseph arrives so he spends his first three years basically doing the work of Father Damien for Father Damien because he physically can't do it anymore. And he describes this in his letters as like, this is the reason that he went. This is the reason that he thought he went. And then when Father Damien dies, somebody has to take over all of the practical aspects sure. because Father Damien took care of interacting with the Board of Health and taking care of the sort of the, the, the physical needs. Getting the building going. Exactly. Going. We had Baldwin Home, that was for men. Yeah. And, and then, of course, Bishop's House for 
uh, for the females yeah. under the Franciscan nuns. We can't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can't no. Not, no, not no. 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 We cannot. We cannot leave out Saint Mary. Well, and they're Cope still there and, today. Yeah, and they are. St- and that's what oh. the the sisters of Saint Francis are still there today. Sister Alicia so, yeah. and Sister Barbara, and they're living in that that little house and working with the health still officials take, and, on the island and still taking care of patients. Who and still there's there. eight of them. I asked yeah. Sister Alicia the other day. There's. Uh, eight patients, some of whom are being treated um, in Honolulu, but still they have their homes. They live on the island, and you've got interaction with the health board of yeah. the state of Hawaii. But this this beautiful, again, the providence of God that Joseph goes there thinking he's going to do one thing. And then when Father Damien is gone, when Father Damien dies, Joseph has all of that training that is exactly what those what the men and women living in Molokai needed they needed and the brothers and, and you know the, the religious brothers the religious oh, sisters yeah. the priests who were working there they needed somebody to take care of this practical aspect so God in a, in a, in a, in a direct sense had prepared Joseph sure. to be the logical successor for the practical aspects that you know well he himself could probably dies. only look back at his civil war days and think um, once he was th- this man of a yeah. greater faith and everything think you know that must have been my the foundation of yeah. the building I have now yeah. here here in Hawaii. But um, well, the one other thing I wanted to mention, I'm sorry, uh, to go back to his earlier days. So I found in the archives of the University of Notre Dame. So he's he has this profound friendship. He comes to know about Molokai through Ave Maria, a Catholic magazine that was published at the time through the Ave Maria Press, oh, right. which was attached yeah. to the University of Notre Dame. So it's right. Ave Maria where there was a there was a history professor at Notre Dame, a guy named Stoddard who had come to Molokai, who came to know Damien, and Stoddard's information oh, about Damien. Sure. So it's Stoddard's information about Damien that initially gets published in the, uh, in Ave Maria magazine, and then separately Ave Maria magazine publishes a pamphlet called Lepers of Molokai. And this is where Joseph then, you know, uh, the, where Joseph comes to know about it. So he leaves, he goes up to Notre Dame, he meets with Father Hudson, who is the editor of Ave Maria Press. He meets Mr. Stoddard, Dr. Stoddard, who was the history professor who had collected this information. And then he leaves from South Bend, Indiana, makes his way to San Francisco, and then takes off on a boat for Hawaii. Yeah. <clears throat> but what's beautiful in these early letters is that he still signs his name Ira. Oh, really? He still signs well, his name, his, he still signs his name Ira. So his first letters to Father Hudson as he's leaving. So so Joseph has left Notre Dame. He's going, he's trying to make his way to Hawaii because he's convinced that this is where God is calling him to. But he's still signing his letters, Ira. It's after he comes here. It's his first letter back to Father Hudson from Molokai, where at the bottom he signs it, he signs it Ira, and then in quotation marks, Joseph. And then in a handwritten note at the bottom, he says, uh, Father Damien calls me brother. Exactly. And he called me Joseph because that's my baptismal name. And they were both Joseph. He was yeah. Joseph de Voister yeah. before he became yeah. Father Damien. Yeah. And one of the most fascinating books I read was actually a novel, was The Two Josephs of Molokai. And the author was recreating from his research. Uh-huh. He had spent a you know, I don't, gazillion hours researching both men. And so he, the conversations he recreated oh, sure. were based on any of the archives that, that he had but it's, read. So it's not until, you know, he's established on Molokai that, and again, as you watch those early letters go back, Ira eventually disappears entirely. So Joseph starts showing up at the very beginning and then Ira disappears and he signs all yeah. of his letters after that, Joseph Dutton. Yeah, the, all the letters that, that I did read uh, 
in the archives in Rome, there were a few letters from mm -hmm. Joseph. A lot of them are still in Belgium, and I sure. know, I, I believe some help was was coming yeah, to people in well. the yeah. Sacred Hearts archives um, in Belgium. And I mean, if I hadn't been a full-time working gal, I would have taken a week <laughs> or ten days off and gone up there and, and tried to do the research. Yeah. But before I absolutely forget, though, I do want to tell our listeners that the the Dutton Guild for the Cause of yes. Canonization has a wonderful website. Couldn't be easier. It's Joseph Dutton. That's two T's. D-U-T-T-O-N. JosephDutton.org. So, Listening to you're going to be compelled to go to this yes. site after listening to us yeah. talk and, about Joseph and and Joan. I really encourage you know people, your listeners. I mean, you have such a tremendous following. People are so devoted to the insight that you bring about the church, and I and I hope and I pray that they'll take your advice and that like you and I have, they too will fall in love with the example of yeah. Joseph, and then they can become involved in the cause too. So they can pray, again, for that intercessory prayer. They can support the work of the guild. They can help with all, not only, you know, we want, we need help in two ways. We need practical help. Sure. Sort of the, you know, again, you and I know that, I mean, nobody is nobody is earning money oh, off, no. off of this. But, you know, we there are there expenses. Are expenses sure. There are expenses that need to be covered. So we need that kind of practical help. But we need that help of prayer. And I am convinced, and I know you are too, I'm utterly convinced that anybody that reads anything about this man is going to be compelled to find in him an intercessor because we all have their aspects of our lives that are, again, despite the fact this is a Civil War veteran who dies in 1931, so he lives a long life, uh, despite the distance in time, almost 100 years since his death from sure. where you and I are today, despite all of that, there's so much in his life that still resonates with us today. But John Paul, you know... What what you and I know and what I want our listeners, you know, I'm looking at the recording yes. device as if it was one of our you, listeners. You and I both are staring at this <laughs> like we're talking to, we're talking face to face what, with to everyone. People. But I want them to know, what can they learn from Joseph? Yeah. Uh, 10,000 things. You too can become a saint. Yes. Look yes. at his life. Look yes. at his mistakes. Yes. Look at his weakness. Yes. But then... Look at his faith and his prayer life. And all of that... Be inspired. Yes. All of that comes from, again, that lowest of low points. I mean, it's hard for me. Again, you know, we've lived beautiful, blessed lives. We've had... You and I have both shared the experience of living in Rome. We have, we have, we've experienced things in the faith that, as children, we never could have imagined. No, exactly. We, we would experience. So I, you know, but, I, but I imagine... But even when in that... You and I have known darkness. You and I have known temptation. You and I have known, you know, the, again, the closer you are to some of these things, the more you want to walk away from them. But it was at that lowest moment in his life. Joseph is yeah. lost. His wife is an adulteress. He gets a yeah. civil divorce. He's lived a decade of, of drunkenness by his own words. In that darkness, that's where he finds hope. In Jesus Christ. He finds light, yeah. He exactly. finds light and he finds joy in everything that led him to that joy, all of that darkness, all of that suffering, that despair, all of it, because in that moment he made a choice to accept the forgiveness of Christ yeah. and to believe that as a sinner he could be forgiven. And so so often I He also knew he had to do penance. Yes, that was the whole yes. thing. Sure. But I think a lot of a lot of people today are under this bizarre, false impression that whatever they've done is so bad that it can't be forgiven. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I assure you that if Joseph Barnes can, can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ for all of his past Look at wars, Augustine. Hello. Exactly. Look at Augustine. Look at all. <laughs> the whole history of saints is the history of sinners. Yeah. 
Exactly. And it's you and I in our sinfulness who in these examples like Joseph find hope that you and I too can we, we know we are called to holiness. Sure. But we find in their example the hope to find the courage to accept the grace that gives us the strength to live the holiness that God has called us to. Joseph does that. Yeah. And he shows me, like he's shown you, and hopefully your listeners will come to find this too. He's shown all of us that holiness comes from our sinfulness. That in recognizing yeah, our sinfulness, in, in recognizing that you and I need to repent. It's that falling down and getting exactly, up. Exactly, exactly. No. I have to tell you, uh, uh, as we were talking, what just occurred to me, not uh, too many years ago, I had a reunion in Rome with the sister of one of my college roommates. And there were eight in the family, and I spent the summer after freshman year with Mary's family. The young, I think Mary was the oldest at the time, at 20 years so, and 19, and then the youngest was a three-year-old. Anyway, so her sister and I were chatting in Rome over a meal, and she was remembering that summer of 1958, hello, that visit to their house. And she said, Joan, one thing I have always remembered about you my dad one night asked what you wanted to be in life, and you told him you wanted to be a saint. There you go. I I, I, I was blown away by the fact that I had said that. So yeah. it's always been in the back of my mind. And, and, and folks, I have to say that uh, Father John Paul Kimes and I could go on for a long, long time with <laughs> wonderful, wonderful stories. And um, both of us have appointments. As he said, we're at the Pastoral and Diocesan and Retreat Center in Kaneohe. And uh, both of us have appointments. And Father's biggest appointment of the day is getting a plane back to <laughs> back back home. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's sad got... to have to leave. But, Jonah, before, before you sign off, and I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thanks oh, yeah. for the work that you've done. Thanks for the example that you are to all of the people that listen to you, that, that read your columns, that follow your blog, that the, the light that you bring to them, the way that you yeah. bring them to love Jesus more. So uh, on behalf of your listeners, allow me to thank you for well, that. Well, thank you. And I'm always overjoyed when I meet listeners in Rome or they write me and they say, the one thing we know about you is how much you love your faith in the church. Yeah. So Amen. then I've done it. You know, Amen. But, Father John Paul, wonderful good luck on your flight the rest of the day, your flight home, and, and your work at the university. And I'll I'll come someday and darken your door at Notre Dame. Door is always open. Preferably during football season. Not during the winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have to go back to yeah, don't winter. T- don't mention it. Don't oh, mention it. Lord. Well, I have a couple more days of sunshine. So, anyway, God bless you. I know he has. And both of us will be praying, obviously, that the fruit of our work will be the, that the people in Rome at the Dicastery for the Causes of Saints see and understand Joseph Dutton, his life, his faith, his work, as we did. Hopefully we were able to put that on paper and let the world know. And so, let everyone pray. Absolutely. Well, on that word, again, God bless you. Thank you so much for your life and your work. and. Until we meet again, aloha and mahalo. Thank you. Aloha and mahalo to you, Jim. Thank you. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.